Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Two Concerned Bros podcast. I'm Vu. Together with my co-host David, we discuss things we're concerned about, good or bad. Today we talk about entrepreneurship, sex work, Travis Scott and McDonald's, pseudonymous artists, cliff jumping, and David Blaine. Enjoy. Start press record. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. I have something that we could kick it off with, which, uh, which is the, the conversation that made us uh, wait an hour delay on, on our, our recording for this podcast. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I want, I'm curious to know what happened with your, your man's dilemma. So, uh, so it's one of my friends, one of my best friends in the world, actually. And uh, uh, we became really good friends in New York. Um, he's from Long Island, Jewish guy, great dude, super creative and all that stuff. Uh, very smart too. He works for the NBA right now okay. as a product manager. And before that he worked for TripAdvisor. Um, basically he's going through this kind of like, um, existential crisis in corporate America. Right. So like he, f- he feels like, um, he's not being fulfilled. I'm sure a lot of people feel this way too. He's not being fulfilled in what he's doing for the NBA. Um, he feels like he's underpaid, he's overworked, his boss is stupid, his coworkers are stupid. And he's just like trying to figure out a way out. You know what I mean? And one of the things he was asking me was like, like, does like, is entrepreneurship the way out? Um, is that something he should like think about and like, you know, dive into, um, is it switching companies? Is it quitting his job? Thinking about a different career, like that kind of, maybe not the different career part, but like something close by that he can maybe switch to that might be a better, um, fit for him. I don't know. Um, but our conversation went real back to like, you know, entrepreneurship, startup world kind of mainly, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're just talking about it and like, uh, just giving support on, on, um, just like reevaluating things and like thinking about it in a different mindset. Um, like uh, one of the things I, I, you know, I preached to him was like in the short term, you know, you have all these deadlines, you have all these people that you're dealing with, you know, the, the NBA, the company, like they're going through shit cause of COVID and everything like that. Like, I think one thing that I recommend that he do was like take some vacation time, take some me time, take a step back and like just reevaluate and think things through. Um, forget about just everything you know about, you know, that shit, go off the grid, go off the map, whatever, and just go do you and like, you know, go drum. He's a drummer too. And like, um, been drumming like all his life. I was like, go do that shit, you know, go smoke some weed and, and just hang out. And then the, and then once you get a hold of yourself and like feel like yourself is coming back, you know, then yeah. look at look, then look at this question like through that angle, right? Like, would mm-hmm. that John that 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 the John that you know, right? Who you are? Wh- 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 what would he say about this situation, right? Sure. And then then evaluate from there, because like I think sometimes a lot of people um, they make decisions. I mean, a lot of people do. Everybody does really make decisions from like the wrong perspective, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, because just the environment you're in and like the the mindset you're in at that current time. You know, it might not be you yesterday or the, or the you tomorrow, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. I'm guilty of that too. So that was kind of my, my perspective. And then I, I told him that kind of, that was the short term, um, exit or solution potentially the long term, I was like, dude, go, I think you should make the dive into doing something that, um, interests you that, um, that is a bit more representative of your, of your personality, which is like being very, um, self-taught, very like independent, figuring things out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, like making that leap to do that, I think is like what he should do. That's kind of my recommendation for him. And I think it was kind of like, I felt kind of bad giving that advice. Cause like, that's where I am. You know what I mean? Like that's who I am too, sure. as well. Like I don't want to work in corporate America. Like I hate that shit. I hate the yeah. bureaucracy and how people treat you and, and all that. And, and that's kind of why I left too, you know, or actually, that's exactly why I left. It just wasn't for me. And I didn't feel like I was being able to capitalize on like my full self and it wasn't making me happy. So. And sure. that was kind of, you know, it's kind of self- selfish advice, but, you know, I, I hope, you know, it gives him a chance to um, just to reflect on it and think about it. But, but yeah, I, I want to hear your take on that. Well, first of all, um, what, what department is he in the NBA or what is he doing? What's his actual role? So he, so he helps build the, uh, the NBA website, um, like okay. the full on, like the big, big website that like millions of people use like every day. Um, and I think his main job is around, um, making sure that, uh, the marketing works perfect and like that it, um, that it's driving, uh, search results. Mm-hmm. So like whatever content you post on there, you know, yeah, you know, um, LeBron James just did a slam dunk, you know, it's sure. getting out there on Google and, and, and everything like that. So that's kind of the world that he, that he sits in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, I would say, I guess everybody who's corporate America has a dream of eventually getting out because no one wants to be there. But then that can't the the way out can't be the reality for everybody. You know what I mean? But who's so who's going to man this ship once these, you know, if everybody takes the entrepreneur route, I think it's, I mean, it's not for everybody. And I mean, as far as your friend goes, I, I mean, I, I understand the the concern and, and like the stress. I mean, because you're, because I think the problem, it isn't always just the work. It's the fact that you're just enslaved somehow, regardless if it's someone else's dreams or your own. And I don't think a lot of people talk about the negative side of being your own master as far as like working for yourself. Like that's, that's, that's I think more taxing than working for somebody else. And for some reason, I think we get into some kind of delusion thinking that, well, being our own master is going to free ourselves. And I don't think that's the case. I think in fact, with all these factors of, you know, financial instability or the economy or whatever, I think you you only become a harsher master to yourself, whereas the individual that employs you that you don't really know and is just a complete stranger is not going to probably be attacking you at such a deep layer of your spirit, you know, or something like that. So I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily see entrepreneurship as full freedom because, I, I, like I said, I think there's, you're a slave to something, to an idea. And I think entrepreneurship, you, you, and it's, this is not a negative. A lot of people flourish on this and make millions. And, but I think there are folks who they, they become overwhelmed. And uh, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not too sure. I mean, it could go either way for your friend, truthfully. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that makes me think about something too. Like it makes me think about my dad. Like, so he runs a, he's an entrepreneur himself. You know, he runs a remodeling contract. He's a contractor. Uh, he runs a remodeling business, makes pretty good money doing it. But like, I know, I know like his personality type is like, he likes to be carefree and just like, you know what I mean? Like not have to worry, not have to work um, super hard and worry about everything. He just wants to be able to make his money and go do what he wants to do, which is like, he likes to fish and like, you know, go, you know, get on his boat and shit like that. He's like sure. an outdoors guy or whatever. So like, like in his case, I think entrepreneurship kind of chose him cause he had to, but like maybe sure. in like a perfect world, he would like, you know, actually have a job, um, you know, working for somewhere where, you know, it's, he's doing something that is, you know, it doesn't have to be the greatest thing, but it's making him money. It's making, it's funding his hobbies and activities, you know, it's, it's providing him with insurance and all that good stuff, you know? So that, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It is for some people and it isn't for other. Yeah. Um, and I think, sure. and I think even having all those things don't satisfy because I think sometimes not that there's any risk is just, I don't know, you're, you're not being a really it's the boredom of being already kind of settled or having your needs met that it's mm. almost like in the spirit of gambling, like you, it's fun to risk all that, you know? Ooh, and, yeah. and I don't know if it's some form of like self-sabotage to cope with the now realization that all the shit you've accumulated, all the career crap, all the ass kissing and licking, you, you come to realize, well, shit, that wasn't it either. And I don't know. You're just not left in a in a better spot. So, interesting. I guess it's just as a, just like a maybe like a fuck it attitude. I don't know. And and you justify it with the fact that well, you know, other people who've made it successful have this fuck you attitude. But I think the reality is it's just impulsive. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I know when I started my first business, man, I was impulsive. Like I knew a little bit about business, but it, for me, it was just like, let me just get started. Like I'm done. I'm ready. And I don't know. I mean, that's good mindset, but then it's also bad mindset. I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But you have to take the dive, you know, sometime and yeah, yeah, you're right. So this is a great segue into the first, uh, <laughs> first concern that I wanted to, that I, that I wrote down or wanted to talk about. So, um, I wrote down, uh, technology has accelerated the acceptance of sex work and that's trickling into everything, even in places it shouldn't be. Right. So I watched this documentary over the weekend. It's called red dog. Whenever you get, you get a chance, you should look it up. Um, but red dog is about, um, this, uh, this songwriter from Oklahoma city. Right. And he writes, he's a pretty popular guy. Like in the songwriting world, he wrote songs for like Eric church, you know, a lot of these country artists that I actually don't listen to, but, um, he, he's, he's well known in that world. Anyways, he grew up in Oklahoma city and his mom was a stripper at this place called bread dog saloon in Oklahoma city. 
It's still yeah. open to this day. And uh, he was recalling a story of whenever he was a bit, when he was like hanging out with one of his friends or something like that. Um, he was like, uh, they're talking about Red Dog or something like that. And, and, uh, I, uh, cause both their moms had worked there or whatever. Right. And his friend goes, uh, he goes, yeah, right. Like that time when my mom was like a bartender at Red Dog and, and, the, and the friend goes, no, like our moms were, were dancers at Red Dog, not, not bartenders. And yeah. then he goes, what? And like, you know, he's like thinking about it. And then he, then he, a little bit older, that's why he kind of created the documentary was to, uh, be able to like talk to his mom about Red Dog and like, just learn a little bit more about her history and her background, things like that. Right. And uh, watching it was like pretty amazing for me because like the mom on the show, she's like a 70 year old woman. Right. Bless her heart. And like uh, <laughs> uh, the, son, the son is like, you know, he's whatever. He's, he's a bit older too, 40 years old, whatever it may be. So it's like adults having conversations about adult things, you know? Sure. And uh, it was cool to see her um, like her perspective of, of like, you know, her, her world, her life in like in the sex work world. Right. Um, especially like back in the sixties and seventies, um, and, and especially in Oklahoma city. So she was actually a part of, um, uh, nudity and nudity was one thing and tattoos becoming legal in Oklahoma city. Isn't that crazy? That is weird and crazy. It's, yeah. it's pretty wild. Yeah. But then I was thinking about it and like reflecting on how things are like even today, right? Like, you know, back in the day, it was so taboo to be a, like a, a stripper, to be a prostitute or whatever it is. But, but nowadays, you know, you can be those things and, and make sure. a lot of money doing it. You know, OnlyFans, TikTok and, and stuff like that. And um, there's that new, you know, music video that came out with like WAP or, or whatever it is too. But I was sure. thinking about it. And um, <laughs> well, yeah. but one thing that, that kind of concerned me about, about it all was like, I feel like because uh, – it's, it's less taboo and it's becoming more widely accepted. It's trickling into places that like, I think are, are, are places where it shouldn't be that are still too pure to like, to be really affected by it. Like an example is like TikTok, right? When you log on there and you scroll through, you know, after a couple swipes here and there and your new user, or whatever, you, you're likely going to land on like a, you know, a very young girl or boy, like doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Right. Like on sure. the, on the internet. Right provocative dance moves or whatever with like very explicit lyrics in the background and exactly. we're all just pretending it's not sexual but it is a hundred percent intentionally placed there for mm. whatever reason i mean we can name a lot of things but it's just it, it's 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 what sells it's what attracts people you know and and they put it in the forefront but it's interesting how things like tiktok and social media have lowered the barrier of the entry barrier for this type of things. I mean, back in the day, I mean, pornography used to be a magazine behind the counter and you had to be an adult to be able to purchase that. Now, I mean, it's, it's the phone your mother gives you at 13 that, you know, makes an addict or whatever, or someone who struggles with, you know, uh, watching pornography or objectifying the other, whatever it may be. I mean, it's just, Anyways, it just entraps you. And but it's interesting though because it seems like like humanity goes through like several fluctuations about their sexuality. I mean, you hear things about the Greeks and I mean their their sexual orgies and all those all that good stuff. And then you have, you know, things mentioned straight out of the Bible with, you know, Solomon having concubines. And I mean, well, what is a concubine? I mean, to put it simply, it's it's your own personal whorehouse. You know what I mean? And, and that's mm -hmm. a really strange concept. In fact, that concept is way more taboo now than back then. It's It was just, uh, I mean, something that, of course, only a handful of people experience, you know, given the, the number of rich people back then. I, don't, I wouldn't say it was a lot, but obviously, if you were a ruler over some kind of principality, you probably had some perks, but I don't know. It's just interesting because, and then you enter like early 19th century, 18th century, like there's this huge, like push for, you know, covering oneself. And then after that, it, it like entering, you know, the new the last hundred years has just been a rebellion of not doing that. And I don't know. It's just strange. I, I'd like to, what exactly are the factors that pushes a culture to want to, I don't know. Um, put center stage their sexuality and what is it a social economical thing that pushes people to I don't know push for the you know for the um, I don't know I couldn't really tell you but 
I think you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, I, I get what you're saying for sure. Uh, when you're talking, I was thinking about like just like Japanese culture specifically, like uh, like there, like like pornography, sex has been a thing forever, and it's been a part of like the society, and like um, you know, it's it's pretty strong still. Um, to a certain degree, like, you know, you see it with like their anime and like just some of the art that's, that comes out of there and, and you know, cultural products and stuff like that. Um, sure. but at the same time, like they have like a really low, um, like fertility rate, like they mm-hmm. don't have like very many, um, kids there and like, there's like a lack of them for whatever reason. And, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's a, it's a weird, um, weird kind of world. Um, yes. but yeah. The, the thing that really has been like interesting, interested, uh, interesting for me, uh, is like following OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's crazy because like it's democratizing you being like a porn star, right? Oh, like, yeah. this it's, thing, it's commodifying yeah. sex. It, it, it really exactly. is. Exactly. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what are the, what are, what's going to echo into society with that kind of format? What is it telling us subconsciously? What does it mean? I mean, you're not keeping, it's just, it's just removing this, it being sacred or any, it, it just mm. removes it off of any pedestal. It now becomes a thing of, you know, subscribing or, or, or purchasing just like anything else, you know, but exactly. Anyway, you were saying continue. Sorry. No, no, you're good. And, and um, I was, uh, I was like, in a way, like fantasizing, like, you know, what if, what if I had an OnlyFans account and I was making that type of money? Right. And oh. I think like, I get a sense like it's so freeing as well, right? Like you're putting yourself out there to the world, you know, like the the nude, naked you, right? Like at that point you have, in I don't know, I guess I'm you coming no from fucks. my perspective, but like you have, you have no fucks. You have nothing left to lose. You know what I mean? And sure. like that person, like who, you know, you see on OnlyFans today can still progress and live their life okay like 20 years from now, right? They might even be, you know, a lawyer or CEO or um, you know, whoever, like whatever, the president even potentially, right? Like it can be, it can be literally anybody. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a cool kind of thing there where like, um, uh, it's commodifying it, like commoditizing it, but like also like it's, it's, I don't know, it's freeing, right? It's kind of cool to see. Well, yeah. Yeah. Is it free though? I mean, I guess for the individual who finds value in that kind of exposure sees it as freeing, but like, I mean, I don't want to say, I mean, some people have to, you know, do sex work because they have to and make mm-hmm. a living. And I understand that. So uh, some people are just in it and not willingly or whatever. But um, but then for those who like OnlyFans, where it's definitely, I mean, what we're assuming is 100% voluntary. Like it's, it's I'd be curious, I'd, I'd be really interested to sit with somebody who sees freedom in... I don't know. Is it is as is it is it as simple as just narcissism? Is it just attention, or is it? I don't know. It just seems so mm. brutal of a of a of a response to freedom, or or, or it's so it's such a radical response to be a symptom of your wanting for freedom that I have to question. Well, if that if, whatever the source it is 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 causing that reaction, then perhaps the source isn't technically coming from a good place though you may see it within yourself as a thing that well i need this to be happier to be free but uh, i would be tempted i'd be very curious i don't know i i wouldn't trust that Mm. gut reaction right away and because of its of its um selection of response which is let me put myself in front of a camera let me take photos let me object objectify myself and like i don't know is it is it true freedom to put yourself out there in a form that i don't know i mean i i, I don't want to sound harsh but it seems like it it, it cheapens your existence and i know that sounds brutal but there's something about it that i feel like you were somehow in your mind through trauma. And I don't want to just assume that everybody who's in this mix is, tra- you know, in trauma. Mm. I'm sure there's people who are sane and fine and healthy and normalized, but I'm just talking about the individual who does make the connection of this and freedom and liberation. Cause I know there's a lot of that now. Mm, I vibe and, with that. Yeah. And I don't know if, if, 
they're entrapping themselves into something, I don't know, more, more of a spiritual agenda undertone into why our culture is heading towards normalizing this kind of behavior. I mean, back in the day, I'm assuming you had to, I don't know, walk outside the city gates and look for the girl with the red handkerchief. And then you had to follow her for a couple of blocks. And then maybe you went into a room and up the stairs and whatever. And then you had your fornication or whatever. But now it's like, you know, you have it right in your pocket. And you don't have to go to the whorehouse. The whorehouse is in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just really strange that it, it, there seems to be a, a force behind all of this bringing together and, and, and trying to create more harmony between these things. Like just like any business that wants to sell you a product, what do they try to do? They try to make it as easy as possible to consume. So they send you this, they have you download the app. You don't have to wait. You know, it's already made, show up. Here's the thing, just click the button and you're good. Payment's already here, whatever. And it's just interesting to see that same mechanism in, in, in the sex industry. And mm. I don't know, I just always question, well, who who gains from this type of, you know, streamlining this consumption of, you know, sexual material? And sure, you can be as simple and say, well, you know, it's just a lot of people trying to make a lot of money through videos, you know, pornography, or whether they're independent contractors on OnlyFans or this is, you know, Pornhub, Pornhub.com. I mean, yes, I'd say, yes, there is profit involved, but... To make profit off of that, I there's just for me, there's no doubt that there's a misalignment of the soul to want to mine that department of human experience into something that resembles, you know, you going to McDonald's or, you know, something like that. I don't know. That's pretty extreme, though, but you get the point. <laughs> yeah, get the point. Uh, that's a great maybe, segue, though. Unless you had thought to come on there. Uh, but yeah, man, I don't know. Shit's tough out there. I get it, though. And um, I know, have you seen the push now for um, the rights for the sex workers? I know that there's been a movement recently. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen that. And like living in New York, I saw a lot of the the, the sex work protests that were going on there, too. Like they had propositions and um, to legalize things and, and fight for things. And I'm all for it for sure. I'm all for it. Like I, I definitely believe it's a, it's a true career path that people can, can follow. But I, I definitely agree with your point of like, there's, there's two sides to the coin. Like, um, I think some people, you know, who, who even might be super supportive of it, doing it and, and everything like that. And, and, and it might think in their mind that it's liberating, but really it's kind of like an escape, right? Like, for example, uh, one thing I never really kind of understood and still trying to understand, and I would love somebody to like teach me more about it is like, um, I see a lot of like feminists, right. Who, you know, they're, they're nude when they do protests or they, um, do, you know, X, Y, and Z online, like, you know, things that are relatively sexual, you know what I mean? To like get their point across, right. For, for feminism specifically. And sometimes I didn't really understand, you know, really understand that. Like, uh, like, why is it, do you have to show your boobs and, and do X, Y, Z to, to get your point, to get your point across, right? Like, um, I don't know. It just didn't make any sense to me, I guess. Like there's, there's a close relationship that was like, you know, sex work plus feminism together in one like girl power, you know what I mean? Like body image, I guess. I don't know. And, um, and sometimes I think like maybe, you know, maybe, um, people will, will dig in and and dive into, you know, this thing, whatever, whatever it is, uh, because like, it's, it's a way for them to escape their identity, to defend it as something that is more, you know what I mean? If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like for, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, man. If you're going to have sex workers, might as well have the rights for them, you know? So I mean, it's true. I mean, I'm not, look, there's things that I don't like, but I'm not like, you know, hit the streets, full eradication. I mean, I understand, you know, I know, I know there's people that are going to fall into that, whether willingly or not willingly enjoy it or not enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, you know, protect their rights. Cause you know, what else are you going to do? I mean, you, I rather it be regulated than not regulated, you know, or, just to protect the individuals involved, you know, but Absolutely. It, yeah. it, it, it's such a, it's hard because regulating it for the sake of safety, but then culturally 
you're setting a new standard that I don't know that we're very quick to accept under the guise of safety, which I don't doubt that there would be safety involved with some sort of oversight. But it's 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 crazy how quickly we're willing to set a new standard of the human experience in certain its aspects, whether it be food or war or sex like now, um, that they're willing to accept it and normalize it so quickly just, you know, for the sake of, I don't know, because once you create a law, you, you definitely validate it more so than anything else. It, it, this is something we, by making a law, you're saying that this is something we abide by. Like this mm-hmm. is something, like I, I don't know anybody who creates laws without any kind of morals. Like it'd be very hard and you have to, or your ethics connected to your morals and you have to wonder like, why are we so quick to, I don't know, change the, I don't know. I mean, I don't think we see things long-term and I don't think we see things in a very global, like what is, what does this mean to the human mind? What does this mean to the human soul? And I don't think, and I don't think we're making a lot of laws like that. I think we're making laws with intentions that we care people, but I don't think we're making laws with the, I guess, awareness that we're trying to protect the soul more than the physical, you know? And Mm -hmm. and I don't know, like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) It's hard. I mean, (laughs) which produces the most happiness, uh, regulating, protecting people, accepting it's a part of reality or, you know, I mean, but, I mean, what society could eradicate anything illegal? So it's always, there's always going to be a market for it. So it's, it's, it's unfortunate that you, you're put in a corner of, well, I got to accept it despite how I feel about it because I do care about people because the reality is this is my reality. And, it, mm-hmm. and, and my ideal or utopia mindset of, well, uh, we don't need this. It's, or, you know, I don't know. It's tough. It is tough. Yeah. So that, so I got to segue us into something else um, that I was thinking. And it's been, it's funny because it's been brought up while we're talking about that. You said McDonald's and you said food a couple of times. (laughs) So I don't know if you heard about this, but recently Travis Scott had a deal with McDonald's and um, they had a partnership where they um, launched a meal, a Travis Scott meal. And then Travis Scott launched a bunch of McDonald's slash uh, Travis Scott, Travis Scott, or Cactus Jack merchandise, and then I was sitting there just like looking at this, and I was like, I cannot believe this is going on right now. And I was like, rapper meets McDonald's, and like McDonald's has this horrible reputation. Like, remember Super Size Me? Like, as uh, I don't know if you remember yeah, watching yeah. that when you're younger. Uh, like, and McDonald's had this like horrible reputation, and it still does. You know, like it, people still consider it as like really bad fast food and everything like that. And then like. Then like Travis, then you got Travis Scott, this like you know all star rapper coming into the mix to like, like beef up you know McDonald's image or whatever like that. And like when you look on the website, oh my god, it's I'm like so so is it just a collaboration like images shit or is is like the burger a different color now? No, it's literally <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like do like how heavy a collaboration? Like are they selling like I don't know purple <laughs> buns with little like specks of stars on it? Like what are they doing? So like, I think I think the burger is actually what Travis Scott orders when he goes to McDonald's, uh, and then they, they package that as a meal that you could purchase. And like uh, literally, it's it's fries, it's a it's a Sprite, and then it's just a bur- it's a one of their regular quarter pounder burgers and like that, and that's uh, it. The crazy part is the merch on my, um, I, from my perspective is the merch that they're, they're putting out. So like uh, the toys, it's toys. So they, yeah, they got kids' toys. <laughs> That's a great idea. No, I don't know if I saw that, but I saw uh, there's like a $90 chicken nugget pillow, Travis Scott chicken nugget pillow, right? Uh-huh. There's T-shirts. Um, I think there's like mugs or something like that. And like just like all this like random stuff like with them. It's like the McDonald's logo with with like Travis Scott. I don't know. This is weird like dichotomy going okay. there. How um, do you feel about the people who make those types of purchases? Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh hype beast is what people call them i guess hype beast is what you, what people would traditionally call them and maybe just you don't know people who are just kind of curious to know what it's what it's like but it's I like to be stupid. there's no there's no dude there's no reason why someone needs to get a nugget shaped pillow <laughs> of fucking 
Travis Comp, man. Like, there's no reason for that. That they, that should just show you how close we are to like the end of the world, man. It's just bullshit <laughs> capitalism. Like, we literally have nothing else for you. So we're gonna get one famous thing and another famous thing. And we're really hoping that you're very void of anything of substance in your life so that once we make this connection of this brand and this brand that clearly doesn't give a fuck about you, once we collide, we really, man, it's just, it's, 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 I hate it, man. I hate it because there's always people ready to go get that shit, always. And mm-hmm. it just, it hurts my heart, man. It hurts my heart. It's like, shit, like I, I, I really get, I need to get involved with like, you know, the school board like shit's going down you know and i'm seeing it like you know it's just strange plus but but here's the thing i always go to mcdonald's so i can't say too much shit i am one of those people I love McDonald's. dude sometimes man when you're when you're in a bind and shit's a little tough and you know things are just going south dude those two dollars dude those take you through like breakfast lunch and dinner bro like you're good and that's the good thing about mcdonald's so they're helping a lot of people but n- not in a nutritional way anyway Absolutely. <laughs> they're, they're I, I, a, a bad good because people can afford food but it's I, you know, I don't know absolutely i love i do love mcdonald's for that fact i did survive on mcdonald's in, in, when i was living in new york that's that's for damn sure i, li- I live i live by the dollar menu um i think for me the thing that bothered me the most was like the blatant sellout because like yeah. You know what I mean? Like I get it. Like if you want to do a brand partnership or a partnership with, uh, you know, whoever it is, right. That like both the things you can take away. It's like, okay, it's beefing up our brand, right. It's making our art or it's making our product better. Those two things don't work together. Travis Scott did not make your burger better. Right. No. And it's so fucking, the lie is so obvious of like, they know it. They just, they know it. They, they, and, and we get excited every time and we're like, the, Travis Scott does, doesn't do anything for the burger and the burger doesn't do anything for Travis Scott. So why, why is, why am I excited for this? Like I, I'm the only one buying into the lie, assuming that this brings any value. And plus, I don't know, man, like I, I like people, but I don't idolize them. Or I, or I mean, I, sure. There's some famous people that I like. I'm like, Oh, that, that dude looks pretty cool. You know, I would have a few beers with that guy, but to the point of, putting them at such a high pedestal with that, whatever they touch becomes something that increases in value. I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I know there's some people who have that effect, like like artists or whatever, you know, they made something and, or whatever, but I don't know, man. Like that it's, it's like, it's Travis Scott touching McDonald's and it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's dumb. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. Uh, It, uh, and can I segue us into something else? That's oh, yeah. very, very take close. Me take me away. So the next thing that I had here is that, uh, and related to, uh, cause we were just talking about artists is I think pseudonymous artists and musicians are the coolest things in the world and we need more of them. And, uh, uh I'll expand on that. So like, I love Daft Punk, right? I love gorillas, right? I love yeah. MF Doom, right? These guys who are artists or musicians, but they're characters, right? They're mm-hmm. not real. And they don't have an attachment to like a a, a physical identity. You know what I mean? Marshmallow is another one you can throw in there that the kids love too as well. And like, I, I, I love that. And it kind of reminds me of like the superhero mentality, right? You put on the mask and the cape and like you represent this thing, but you take it off. Like you can be whoever it is, right? It doesn't matter who, who it is yeah. like behind that. And I think there needs to be more of that. Dude, um, no, there definitely does, man. Because it's a, it, it, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Because, and I think the attraction to it is the fact that for somebody to like forgo, you know, presenting their identity to the world, all they do is put their creative results in front of them, and it's just, it's, it really is just a denial of you, and like just, you know, concentrate on the art, and it's just, it's pure because it's 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 void of anything egotistical it's like you're only going to know me i mean don't get me wrong you could have a persona and feed off of that energy and be as narcissistic as crazy but i like the idea of being hidden because i don't know it elevates the artwork to to something a little bit higher and i don't know why exactly that is but but it 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 gives it another layer of i don't know it, it it removes it further away from the human 
So you have no reference to a personality that could have created this. So it has more of, of a, an open canvas for you to Im- imagine for your own self and make it personal the origins of, of this song or, or this art piece. Whereas if you know the artist really well and then you see the artwork, you're like, well, I know this individual, so then I know where this came from. But you, but then through that, you don't really make it your own. And I don't know, you just, you're able to trace it back too far into its roots that it becomes way too familiar. And I think as humans, since we connect so well with the human face and the eyes and just, just because we're social creatures, I think when it gets detached, it's like, I don't know. It, it, it just, it heightens it. Anyway, Absolutely. Yeah. That's my thought. No, that's, that's, cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. No, I, I dig that. I dig that. Like the mystery factor, I think is what excites me sure. for sure. And like the lore um, of, of like, for example, like with gorillas and Daft Punk, right? Like I'm, I'm, I remember like as a kid, I was like, like who, like I knew, you know, obviously I knew gorillas were fake or whatever, right? They're, they're illustrations, but I'm like, who, like, who are the creators of this? Like, are, do the, each of these guys have like voice, like who, you know, who are the actors or whatever it is. And like, and even like, regardless of that, it's like, I want to know about their story, you know, cause they're not people or they're not like your regular everyday people. They, or I mean, they could be, they could be anybody. Right. Yeah. And it makes you like, what well, it makes you be so curious about it. But yes. Yeah. It definitely, I did, I definitely agree that I think it buffers the art and uh, it, it focuses less on the um, identity of the person more yeah. so on the, the art itself. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. Cause I mean, people may actually not like you. <laughs> so, you know, just make yourself, you know, accessible to anybody so that, you know, and have them just never see your face or get to know you. But no, yeah, man. Um, yeah, that's true. Plus, I think, I don't know. I think when artists work in that kind of hidden sphere where they're able to go back into society without, I mean, I mean, hell, I mean, I, 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 you could be eating somewhere in L.A. And, and right next to you is Daft Punk or the people who write for the gorillas or whatever, and you wouldn't know it, you know. And I think, I don't know, maybe it makes these artists, I think all, a factor that makes them good is that they're able to hide back into society and, and, and be human rather. Whereas, I mean, how normal is Drake? How normal is his life? You know what I mean? How I mean, how detached is that guy? You know, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's a great guy and visits his grandmother all the time or whatever but i'm just saying it, it's it's i don't know sometimes normal people make better things rather than the guy who's riding a wave of of popularity for whatever reason but anyways i don't know you, you, you put yourself you put the eye into the craft too much and then you just taint you just taint the soup a little bit mm, i yeah, think yeah. of course of course your fans will never know this for your fans, they'll be like, oh, this is great. But if you're a true artist, you're going to realize, like, shit, man. Like, I need to be an antenna for for some, for an idea, you know? I got to I, I gotta pull from above. And if all I'm thinking is me, me, or whatever it may be, or I don't know. I think, I think you just, you get bad reception. I think the universe says, you know what, dude? You're being kind of a douche. So for <laughs> podcast, we're just going to probably send you one song this year. If you act a little bit better, if you clean up your act, you know, you stop the coke, then maybe we'll give you enough ideas for your second album. Maybe, you know, <laughs> something, <laughs> something like that. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It's possible, you know. Um, but anyways. Yeah, um, I love it. It, it reminds me of like the typical like Hollywood story or whatever it is. It's like... Um, stars like leeching off the young talent you know what i mean to take ideas from them to keep mm-hmm. young and to keep popular and whatnot it's like you're you're such a douche now so like you gotta look elsewhere to find sources of inspiration and creativity sure. yeah yeah no yeah it seems to be a, 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 i mean it's always been a problem especially in the with comedians like that's where you really see the the stolen artwork a lot i mean i don't think you hear a lot of um with musicians i haven't heard of anything like that recently I mean, yeah, I guess we don't hear about it. Maybe it's really behind the scenes. But for comedians, you always hear about that. You know, like Carlos Mencia stealing jokes from, what was it? What was um, from? Yeah, I was actually thinking Carlos Mencia when you said that. I oh, really? Know. Yeah. I think Freaking he was stealing jokes from George Lopez, right? I don't know. So he was stealing jokes from somebody. And uh, I don't know, but that dude fell off. 
Yeah, um, he fell off for sure. He he actually has a new special now, I think, on Netflix or or whatever it is. Yeah, dude, yeah. Rents tight on everybody, man. <laughs> for real, you really, think, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess I mean, no, it's his time to come out because really, the only people that remember him, it's like, was it old school HBO and like or comic old school Comedy Central, and like especially at night because. I don't know. He doesn't get played a lot. Anyways, enough of Mr. Mencia. But what were we talking about before this? What were we saying? Oh, yeah. No, I don't remember. Uh, Travis Scott. Is where we came from. No, no, no. Pseudonymous artist. Sorry. That's where we came yeah. from. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like Banksy's and all that stuff. Um, sure. Well, I, honestly, I believe Bansky, whatever. You, at this point, it has to be a group of people. Like he's probably like sworn in a couple of people and they did some kind of weird seance and, and there's like more than one person because there's no way he's doing it all on his own like did you did you ever see the documentary um well, i don't it, where bansky takes over new york did I you hear so. that okay so in 2012 he did like a one-month residency in new york and he only communicated through his website and each day for 30 days uh, i think yeah uh, he would he would post the the graffiti he did or whatever you know structure he made he placed on his website and uh, he would put like a little hint or something as far as its location and then he just had everybody on the scavenger hunt and um, anyways so that happened why was I saying all of this Will? I totally completely forgot. Pseudonymous art, art, artists are awesome, but I, I think um, oh, you're yeah. saying he's a team. He's a, he's he's a, he's he a, team, a team. Yeah, he has to be a team. It's just the, the work is too elaborate. He, at this point, the dude probably has a company. Honestly, probably has like some kind of like circus lay behind the scenes company where they set up and they disappear, and and all he really does is like I don't know, smokes weed and comes up with the ideas, and then just. <laughs> And signs a few contracts for liability or whatever. And then he has his right hand man, you know, go and de- deliver envelopes, blank envelopes with like cash, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. man. Dude, I bet you the dude's super gangster. Super, well, no, who, who knows? He may be a, a really mellow, you know, you know, green tea in the morning kind of guy. <laughs> or he could just be like, like, a, like, a, like a, I don't know, something. I don't know. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, I know he's English. That's it. So, uh, so the tea thing sounds about right. Tea, tea and crumpets. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Either that or just a lot of cocaine. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Fuck the system. <laughs> I got a new idea. Uh, yeah. Well, did you see the thing, the boat? Did you see the boat that he made or that? So I don't know if he bought this boat or not, but he, there's a boat. Uh, and it's a uh, it's there to rescue refugees. I don't know, but I think it's outside uh, coast of Greece. I think somewhere like that. Anyways, or, or I don't know, somewhere in the Mediterranean, I believe. And uh, anyways, they're picking up refugees, and he painted it pink and something like that. I don't know. Uh, that's that's kind of crazy. Buying a boat to rescue refugees. That's both a really cool thing because of the initiative. I mean, but then at the same time, it's like, well, shit. When 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 that kind of like help for another human is, I don't know. It's just, it's just strange to see someone had to self fund something like that because no one else is doing or, or no other more organized, you know, reputable organization is doing something more, you know, I mean, I'm sure don't get me wrong. There's probably people out there with their own boats who help out on the weekends and, you know, whatever, but it's just, it's strange, you know, um absolutely yeah and it's heartbreaking to see those you know those photos and, and hear about that too as well for sure mm-hmm. um that, that can't help and um one of the things i also found, uh saw the other day on on vice related to refugees was like um um was it the danish i think it's the danish uh they're like the happiest people in the world according to like you know multiple surveys um or whatever right they're mm-hmm. also some of the most racist people in the world too not in, maybe i'm i'm exaggerating but no, you're very but correct it's, yeah they're currently <laughs> i don't have a neighbor and he's a son of a bitch <laughs> they, they're, they're very against having refugees in their country and like they're oh, very yeah. um 
um, what do you call it? Homogenous. There's not, they're not, there's not a, di- a lot of diversity that exists in, in, uh, yeah. in Denmark. So not a yeah. lot of interracial couples probably. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like, I just thought that was funny. Like happiest people in the world. Also like the most closed off, one of the most closed off people in the world. You know what I mean? And, what do you, th- what do you think that is? Do you think it's just, I mean, what, what, what makes a group of people so uh, protective of their line? So yeah. it's a strange, it's a strange trait. And it's not just in one individual. It's that strange trade is in a group of people. Like you have to, like, I don't understand that level of community to the point where I'm telling other groups of people, I don't want you because you'll mess my line, my bloodline. Like, what mm. the fuck? That's strange. That's, that's some weird shit, man. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I, think- I mean, because it could be just purely racism. Oh, we are light skin, you know, you're dark skin. But I mean, of course, I mean, could be that alone or it could be a lot of other things but it's just it's just it's strange it's strange right i think what it is is like um i think their system is fine-tuned to know how to deal with similar people right when you start adding new people to the mix things get messed up things go awry people get things people do things they're not supposed to do like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but in actuality, it's adding cultural diversity. It's adding a lot. Of, there's a lot of benefits there for having, you know, for having the group be more like inclusive, whatever. So, like, basically, what I'm, what I'm thinking in my mind of comparing it to is like a basketball team, right? Yeah. Let's say I create a basketball team and it's five clones of myself, right? Mm-hmm. I know exactly what myself is good at, right? And I know exactly what myself is going to do, how I'm going to respond to it, how we can work together as a team, right? Mm-hmm. But then you start introducing players to that mix right now you're bringing these new random factors to it as well you know things just become different and it's not uh potentially it's not as fair anymore team doesn't perform as well as it as it as it um might Mm -hmm. but in actuality it means proven that more diversity more more uh inclusiveness the better the team performs actually but that's kind of what i'm thinking about it from so it's like they're they're trying to protect this way of life um Mm -hmm. and that's why they're they're like this right they fine-tune the system they know exactly how this thing's going to work to make sure that everybody's going to be happy taxes right food is right living situation is right nothing changes like you can always expect that you know the, the core level of like human happiness what you need for that but then you start introducing refugees and people like that they think that maybe that's that's gonna fuck it up you know now they sure. have, to, have to redefine the system and, and everything that's it's strange i mean because okay there's the danish and what are the what are the group of people is this i don't know this protective or this i don't know aggressive towards newcomers because it's there's not a lot there really isn't a lot and most places are, are more bendable as far as like bringing in new individuals and and then there's some places that aren't and you would think you know, why didn't this happen to the, I don't know, the Spanish? Like, why aren't the Spaniards, I mean, very anal about their lineage? I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm just assuming because you don't think about Spain and think about a group of people who is very like, we're keeping the Spanish line pure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, what what were the qualifiers to make the Danish very rigid? In, in, and it, I think it it's funny because, well, not funny, but it's interesting because if other places you know, are able to be a little bit more flexible, I guess, and the Danish are not. And I'm just using the Danish as an example. I'm sure there's other groups or whatever. But I guess, I don't know. It makes you think, man, they're probably very, like, they're a very different operating system than what we're used to. The, at, at the fact that that introduction of, of these new people completely, you know, breaks the balance of their of their society i mean i've thought of course i'm talking in extreme terms but i'm sure if you spoke to someone very zealous they'd probably speak like that if they were danish about this i'm assuming but it's just it's it's strange because it tells you i mean not that they're a fragile group of people but they're a an operating system that i don't know it's just it's strange it's um and i I, and what exactly causes that in a group of people i have no clue I guess I would have to know more about the history of the Danish to say that. And I'm sure there's probably something, but um, it, it just, yeah, very strange. A thought came to my mind when you're saying that um, I was thinking about like when you're talking about the Spaniards. So the Spanish were, were they colonized people, right? They're colonizers. Um, and uh, I, 
you know, I'm so, I'm a very against colonizing nowadays, obviously, right? You're coming and it sounds really bad. Like, you know, you're implementing yourself, you're taking over the, the culture, the business, the economy, things like that to make it your own, right? You're, you're owning people and moving them, transplanting them. But I think one benefit of colonization is diversity. I think why maybe this, the Spanish or the Spaniards are, are um, not as closed off and as like the Danish and whatnot, a bit more open because, you know, they colonized, right? They, they've been to these places, their people have integrated with other people and, um, you know, and they've done that, you know, hundreds of times across the world in different countries and whatever. And eventually it kind of trickles up. It's like, Hey, yeah, like we live there, you know, our Spanish people like, you know, grew businesses there and, and whatever it may be. And it's like, and we thrived, you know, and, and, and they bring it back to the homeland. The homeland's like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like let's continue you know, doing this. Right. And, and, um, and, and be more open and less, you know, closed minded kind of thing. Maybe the Danish, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming, I'm, I don't think the Danish were as big of colonizers as. Uh, uh, I don't think so. I didn't, you see, that's the importance of having a naval fleet. Look, look at how it's affected them to this day. Now they're assholes because they didn't have a good Navy. They didn't, they didn't go and explore, man. Really dude. Now that I think about it, you can probably trace it back to that. Exactly. They were just shitty boat makers. They didn't make good boats. They were very flimsy. They were only able to go a few times over the waves. And it just breaks. So they went back and said, fuck, we got all this wood. What do we do? Windmills. And that's how you get all these windmills all, all over the place. Because it was repurposed wood from the Navy fleet they never built because they weren't able to. Why? Because they were racists. We all, know, we all know racists don't build boats. Or at least not very good ones. But no, man, but that makes sense. I think, uh, yeah, the culture, the history of, of, Sp- of the Spaniards. I mean, they saw firsthand trade they they saw the the benefit of having other people who weren't themselves you know, operate in, in in a in a place of business and transaction and and so they were like yeah man just keep keep sending you know what what did they get back tobacco yeah tobacco i guess i don't know what else was sent out i don't know spices anyways hey man just keep bringing those spices you know and uh anyways <laughs> <laughs> yeah man <laughs> um, I, I definitely want to go there at least check it out one time we'll, we'll, um we'll see. segue was there another bridge that you wanted to cross there was uh i had a i had one more here um yeah, let's do it maybe we can close out on it okay um so i went to austin this weekend oh, okay me too <laughs> oh you were in austin yeah yeah for like one day <laughs> oh okay okay i was there like for two two or three days and uh we went to um we went to swimming hole um uh out there by lake travis a bit further away um Uh and uh they had so the you go there there's a waterfall there's a couple waterfalls and you know it's pretty it's beautiful it's pretty cool to go to Mm -hmm. and uh people were cliff diving and like you know I've, i've jumped off cliffs before and everything like that but like there's something about this uh this experience that like was kind of bothersome um so like so basically, you know, there's a cliff and then you can, there's a, you can sit along the shores and like the water is not that deep, whatever. So there's like a lot of people kind of just watching and observing, right? Right. People jumping off the cliff, but there's people that come through where I'm like, I don't know if that person should be jumping off the cliff or not. So for example, like one, one was a three-year-old girl who jumped off the cliff, bro, with her mom. Really? I'm not talking about, it's a little cliff. It's like a 20 foot cliff, right? The, the, you know, the, 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 the kid had a, um, I think he, she might not be there. She's probably been like five or something like that. But either way, yeah. um, she had a life vest on and everything like that. She jumped off and like, I'm just like amazed. And I'm sitting there just like, man, this kid's going to be an all-star athlete or she's going to get really hurt <laughs> from this, from this. Right. And then uh, another person I saw jump off was uh, somebody who was, um, uh, he's, he was scared of heights. Right. And he's standing up there and uh, you can see like the fear in him. He's sitting down and he's like, his friends are, are beneath who jumped off. They're like, you got to go, like you got to jump and everything like that. And then everybody around um, uh, like, you know, watching this happen, like this, we all started cheering him on. We're like, yeah, like you got this. Da, da, da. Like there's a bit like a awesome, like community sense to it to like get him jump off, off the cliff and like face his fears or whatever. But at the same time, like I felt bad for the guy and I was like, man, maybe he shouldn't be jumping off the cliff. Like he's pretty, it looks pretty scared uh, of this. Like maybe you should just kind of back up and, and chill out. I don't know. But like, we're over here like, yeah, you got it, man. You, you can do this. Da, da, da. But, but yeah, cliff jumping. <laughs> uh, I haven't done cliff jumping in a while. 
And I think every time I do it, I get water in my ears and it gets me a headache, man. It ruins my day. I don't think I know. I don't, I don't think I know how to dive properly. I mean, I don't, I don't flop and I don't hit hard, but it's like going in, like water just goes everywhere. You know what I mean? And I just feel like there's this like nausea after a good jump. Has it ever happened to you? Maybe it's just the sun. I was dehydrated. But I feel like the last time I did, it gave me the worst headache. And I don't know why. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm what you call a rotator when I jump. Okay. So when I jump, when I jump, when I dive or jump, like I, I end up moving. Like even if I'm going, I'm supposed to go in straight, I'll fucking, I'll turn and then I'll do like a, like a little weird front flip or back flip. And then like sometimes belly flop or, uh, back flop or whatever you want to call it. So yeah, huh. that's, that's, that's me there. <laughs> and then it hurts. I got out, get out and I got bruises and can't breathe. <laughs> but, yeah. Do you, yeah. do you, what about the, okay. What about the jumping? Do you think? is the fun part is it the falling is it the the jumping what about is it because sometimes i don't know maybe i was in a bad spot but i feel like i've i've jumped before and like the four or five seconds of falling there's like one second where i'm like very aware of myself <laughs> and I'm, it's like it's like 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 millisecond existential something and it's just like huh i don't know it's just strange. And then like the next two seconds, it's like, oh, yeah, back in and the water splashes or <laughs> you back on shore, crack open the molar. But for that, but, then, but, but, but that, that one second, it's just kind of like, why did, why was I unhappy for that one second in the midst of like me falling into the water? I don't know, man. It was just me and my weird ass. But if it's, if it's too much of a dive, dude. Dude, I, I get, <laughs> I start reflecting. Dude, I, all I need is one second to reflect over my life, and that and that, that second can happen mid cliff, mid jump, you know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I, or it's like, that second happens. That second happens for, happens for me, but it happens right before I jump off. Oh, really? And, um, yeah, that's what, when it what is that? Because it also happens to me in roller coasters. Here's the thing. So, like, I'll get on a roller coaster, right? And or wherever I'm at, Six Flags or Disney World. And, uh, yeah, you're all excited. You're pumped up. You get into the thing, but then, you know, the buildup, you get the buildup and then you fall. And then after like the first second turn, you, you, you're like, why is this fun? Why am I enjoying this? Am I enjoying this? I hope that, you know, or, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's strange. I don't know. It's like, it, it lasts just a little bit too long for me to start thinking again. You know, yeah. I think that's what that yeah, is. Absolutely. I think for me, it's like, I, <laughs> It's it's the mortality. It's like I'm a human. Some, I can die off this. Thing. Someday I'm and it's gonna like, die. <laughs> ex- exactly, exactly. And then you go. Ah. Did you uh, did you see that uh, David Blaine Ascension video thing where he did on, on? Yes. Okay. What did you feel about that? Is that a magic trick? Was that a magic trick? Because I feel like I spent like three hours of the dude just introducing everybody and anything, and then after that it was just like. I don't know. Maybe I didn't understand it to appreciate it. I mean, I knew that it got cold up there, but it's like, I don't know. It took a whole hour for him to float up. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I really yeah. felt about it. I was like, I don't this know. This dude needs to do something crazier. I, I don't know if this is it. Like he should have done something up there. I don't know. Taking up something like, I don't know. Something yeah, I don't think it was a magic trick. I, because like when I was watching, I was like, I could, I could see like, uh, like one of those like Red Bull, you know, s- skydivers doing something like this. You know, they train for that sure. stuff. Well, you know? like an know. astronaut, or whatever it is. But I wasn't, yeah, involved. but I think it was, I wasn't either, man. But I, David Blaine is a scary guy. No, he's a scary guy, man, because he's probably possessed by, by, by a multiple legion of demons. That's the only way he does <laughs> what he does. Easy. That's the way he got the show. That's how, that's how he got his, uh, everything, every, everything he has has been summoned. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Absolutely, like yeah. he didn't, he was never born. Like he just started off at like 32 and then started off the career. Like really, I, I, I don't, I don't see him being a kid. You know what I mean? Like he, like, oh, yeah. but he was a kid, but if you, but, but if he was a kid, he didn't get a lot of light. You know what I mean? He was, he was vitamin D deficient for a long time. That's how I sense him. He's a weird, good, he's a weird dude, man. <laughs> but, but I think I think the the trick I don't know I feel like it's just a, it represents David Blaine's mental state right now because dude for being so gone like when's the last time you heard of him before this I haven't I mean I know he was on Joe Rogan but that was to promote that but what what else has he done that was like a big deal 
It's been a, it's been a minute, right? Oh yeah, it's been a while for sure. He just, I think he just has YouTube clips. I knew he was doing that for a bit, and he'd like show up to um, parties and like premieres and like do tricks there, or just spitting out frauds. I remembered him so much hardcore, dude. I think the quarantine got blamed, man, because he was super hardcore and creepy, and, and I don't know. It, it looked like he had to, I don't know, do some weird witchcraft just to summon your card, and he just was. And, and what made him creepy was that once he excited, like once he showed you the trick and you got all excited he seemed to like detach. Like, I'm not really enjoying this moment. Have you noticed that in him? Like he, he looked yeah, almost yeah. unpleased at the fact that he's like shocked you. And he's like, all, all the clips that I remember from like the early two thousands, it was just nothing but Blaine, like going through personal growth at every trick. He just died a little bit more knowing that shit. I, I worked so hard to master this and now I'm here. And then the quarantine happens. Right. And then the dude, the dude regressed somehow because now, like, hey guys, watch me float up on a couple of balloons, <laughs> very, very slowly, very slowly, <laughs> and and nothing else, and nothing else. And then, dude, I, the thing I hated about that uh, is that when he when he jumped off or whatever he did, he, he skydived down, dude. I don't think anybody knew what was happening. He kept talking to the guy on the floor like, hey, man, is this a good spot? Well, I don't know, man. Wherever you want to land, Blaine. Well, I'm just looking for a good spot. It's like, dude, like anywhere you land, these guys are going to get you. It's not like you're going to be falling into a crevice and then they're going to have to like Peru mind you out of there for like the next two weeks. Like just land anywhere, damn it. Like it was so much drama and he made it. Like I think he was trying to like, I think he realized like mid jump, like, oh shit, this wasn't too exciting. Well, let me try to make like the landing as stressful as possible. Let me really make it seem like there is no good safe spot anywhere else, not any place I land. I'm just going to be, you know, broken legs and raped or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> that was just me, man. I was really upset because I had watched the whole thing with my sister and we, we had to keep skipping it forward, hoping for something to happen and nothing happened. Nothing happened. I was ashamed. I was ashamed at Blaine. I was ashamed at YouTube. I was ashamed by by every by every party involved. <laughs> I, I second you on that one. I second you on that one. I was like, dude, this this guy is this ain't it, man. You gotta go back, go back into your hole and and, and figure something out because I don't think this was it, man. <laughs> I mean, he should really, you know, what his trick should be. His trick should be to like show up in Trump's press press conference. Like that would be a trick. You talk about like you had a who is the guy that disappeared? Um, the Statue of Liberty, David Copperfield. Okay, yeah. no one's done a trick like Copperfield. I mean, when's the, I remember? I'm talking like I'm old, but I, I I've seen the videos where he disappears the the Statue of Liberty, and there was people out there that saw it, and I remember it being a big deal. Like Blaine needs to do something like that rather than floating up to the sky like up. He needs to like appear somehow mid press Trump conference. You know what I mean? Or just something like, what the fuck? It's live TV and the guy's giving his like his speech and whatever. And, and then Blaine is in the background. Unimpressed. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm here, but you know, it's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they do like a, a, a YouTube special again, but it's called like inauguration instead of like ascension. Something he needs. To, he just, I don't know. I could have been a lot more wild. He could have done something crazy and he didn't like, if I was that good, I'd, I don't know. I would just, I would, I would, I would break into the Met and then sleep over there, and then have them purposely find me so that there could be a news article of like David Blaine breaks into the highest security room of the Met. How did he do it? And then he just, you know, posts bail for ten grand and he's good. And and now he's. I mean, I would have been more impressed by that. Like this dude is so weird that he broke into the Met to go sleep next to the whatever painting, and then they found him with a half-eaten pop tart some ramen that we don't even know how he warmed the water because there's no kitchen or, you know, whatever. He just got hot water and, and, you know, he's just there a sleeping bag open one sock off one sock on. That would have been an interesting story. I would have been like, dude, that guy is on a frequency that we don't even understand. And the way that guy copes is by breaking into high security facilities and sleeping next to beautiful art. This man is hurting in a way that we will never understand. You see that that's what could be told. That could be his narrative if he knew, but no, the dude watched, he was, he was in quarantine and he watched up too many times with his daughter 
and, and I get it. He was being a good father, but he fell into the hole too much. He, 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 he went too far. He, he went full retard. You know what I mean? And, and, and he just got, he got on the balloons. David Blink, <laughs> if you ever listened to this, I don't feel – you were really cool, but you could have been cooler as a recent one. That's all I'm saying, man. Okay, thank you for listening to my rant about Blaine. <laughs> I was just so frustrated, man. I couldn't describe it. But anyways, that was it. All right, we're done. We're done with, we're we're done done. with that. We're done. We're done. <sighs> we, can, we can wrap it up there. Okay, well, good, good. Um, how do we wrap it up? <laughs> I'm going to hit the stop button. Okay. All right. Well, 